1: Welcome into another edition of College Golf Talk. Burko and Brentley with you. I'm up at TPC Sawgrass on the eve of the Players' Championship. We're recording this on a Wednesday evening. Brentley, I know you've hunkered down in the city beautiful central Florida. A lot of rain expected up here. A lot of rain down there. Not what we're looking for, but we'll pivot. We'll move on, and we've got a jam-packed, pod as always we'll talk about the stanford women oh my goodness they have lost again to a familiar foe uh some other maybe su- surprises we've seen and maybe the most intriguing topic if you will some transfers heading to the sec what do you think Brentley? Uh, a, a lot on tap uh, tonight burko i i i was a little bit wrong last week when i said we may get a light one this week so uh Wrong on that, but very excited for our guests too. I, I think it's time for us to face the music, uh, so they say. And I got some bowls of crow. Um, I actually had one sent to your hotel up there. So um, hopefully you didn't have dinner yet and uh, you can enjoy that tonight. Well, I can always have a bowl of crow. I certainly deserve it. As Chris Goddrup, the fifth year senior at Oklahoma, will join us in just moments on this edition of College Golf Talk, which is always is brought to you by Velocity Global. They seamlessly connect employers and talent, anyone, anywhere, anytime, anyhow. Its global work platform, that is, is built on cloud-based technology, compliance expertise, and unmatched scale in 185 countries in all 50 United States. We all know now in 2022, the world of work is forever changed. Talent can live anywhere, work for anyone, and get the job done. As more than a thousand businesses engage top talent in another state or another country without the need to set up foreign entity or registration, they rely on Velocity Global to make it simple and compliant. Velocity Global, accelerating the future of work. To learn more, visit velocityglobal.com/golf. And with that, we welcome in Chris Goderup to. Uh, College Golf Talk, always a pleasure, my friend. Great to catch up. We will talk about Puerto Rico and what you did on the PGA Tour at the back end of our interview. We'll eat the crow then, but let's start on a positive note. Talk about everything that's going on for you uh, at Oklahoma. But maybe for folks that don't know, I'm a Jersey guy. You're a Jersey guy. My dad played football at Wreckers. You played golf at Wreckers. What was it like getting going in the Garden State to become, uh, at least at that time, one of the best players in the state of New Jersey?
0: Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, um, New Jersey is home for me. And to be able to play at Rutgers, which was, you know, 45 minutes from my house and they were in the Big Ten, which is a big deal. And, uh, you know, to become one of the better players in, you know, New Jersey and to be able to – do some of the things I did there was, um, was pretty awesome. Why wreckers? Obviously, as you said, close to home in
1: the big 10, what other opportunities and possible college avenues
0: did you have coming out of college? Um, To be honest, Uh, out of high school rather. Sorry. Yeah, not many. Um, I, you know, I played a lot of local stuff like the New Jersey state Am and, Opens and stuff like that. I really didn't play on the AJGA too much. I probably played three or four of them. And, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't really highly recruited at all. I had an offer from there in Loyola, Maryland. So it was a pretty easy decision for me to go there. What changed
1: in those couple of years under Coach Rob Schutte that made you become the Big Ten Player of the Year and, and obviously very successful in those first few years on the banks of the old Raritan?
0: Um, there was a couple of things, you know, I work with, uh, him, you know, we worked. me and Rob, uh, coach worked a lot. And, uh, you know, my coach, Jason Birnbaum up in New York worked a lot. And then I ended up losing probably 50 pounds my sophomore year. I went from like 250 to down to 200. So that kind of helped, you know, release everything. And I, and that's when I kind of took off a little bit. Now,
1: now, Chris, I, I'm surprised Oklahoma took you going down from 250. That, that's that's normally they that's normally how they like their players, really.
0: Well, I went back up a little bit. I'm I'm I've <laughs> I've, I've, I've evened out a little bit, but uh, yeah, I, that that's what one of the requisites was. <laughs> well, you know, talk about your move to Norman. I
1: I understand it was between Oklahoma and Pepperdine. Just explain your decision on why you ultimately came down to Oklahoma, and then secondly. Was there something that you know now about Coach Hibble and Norman Oklahoma that you didn't know before that you're glad you picked the Sooners?
0: Um, you know, the process for me was pretty funny. I'm sitting on the couch, I forget what day it was, June 1st or whatever when Nationals was happening. And, you know, these are the two teams that I was kind of deciding on and I'm watching it unfold and it was pretty cool. To And then, I, you know, I fly to Oklahoma the next day and Coach picks me up as they – as they get off the plane from, you know, losing the national championship. And um, it was pretty cool just to have, have that. And, and then I obviously went out to Pepperdine that week also. And it was a tough decision and I just went with my gut and um, I'm happy it worked out. And to answer your question on what I know now that I didn't really know was kind of just how close of a team we have this year. And uh, you know, we're, we're all friends on and off the course and we hang out all the time and, Uh, We're happy for each other, but I also know we want to, you know, kick each other's butt in practice and um, qualifying. So that was the part that I didn't really know, and I got everything and more that I could have asked for from Coach and Bill. How hard was it to leave Rutgers in your home state? Uh, Very. Um, Me and Coach and our assistant coach sat down in the hotel um, after Big Tens was over because that's when the team was done. And I was going to move on to regionals, but um, I didn't want to, you know, miss out on an opportunity. But I knew it would, it would be tough to leave for not only me, but also, you know, coach as well. So that that was tough. But I think I think everyone can kind of look back and be happy now. And I'll always I'll always follow them and talk to them and uh, be a Rutgers Scarlet Knight for life.
1: Now you talked earlier about. You know, kicking each other's butts, just how competitive are you guys? I mean, I'm sure it's not just in golf. What, what kind of competitions do you have? I mean, I see on social media, it seems like you and Logan, who's your roommate, you kind of have uh, a little inner competition between the two of you, whatever you do, but just kind of give us a peek behind the curtain um, as to how competitive this group is.
0: Yeah. Each qualifying, we kind of split up into groups as well as the individual aspect and, you know, the winners will get rewarded and the losing team will get a, a punishment of some type, whether it's an extra workout in one day. Or, so we're always playing for something. Um, and then between me and Logan, uh, there's there's a lot of uh, back and forth that goes on. And uh, there's nothing worse than losing to your roommate. Um, so we, we we have an Instagram thing that we do. And it sucks really bad to have to post something like that. And I get all these people commenting like, what the heck? And, Uh, how do you how do you let him beat you and so I know and I know it hurts him too when he has to post something so it it just adds a little fire to us you can go to one of the
1: best teams in the country in Oklahoma you've seen the camaraderie you fit in nicely but what were your expectations and hesitations individually trying to fit in to that close-knit program in uh, at OU
0: Um, I don't know if I had any, you know, hesitations, obviously, you you know, you're moving to a new place and, um, it was, it was different, you know, life moves a little slower here and people are a little different. So it took a little adjusting in that part, but, um, you know, we, we got along great. No one, no one had a problem and I didn't have a problem with anyone. And I think that kind of speaks to how kind of fluid things have gone and how, you know, much of a team we have as a, as a group. So I wouldn't say there was anything that, you know, really bothered me. Once I got here and got to know everyone, it was smooth sailing. You know and I know what good pizza is all about.
1: How close have you remotely gotten to finding anything that would resemble Jersey pizza? Uh, far, far <laughs> away from <laughs> I've about, I, I a, Jer- about a Jersey...
0: Stuff, but- how did you, <laughs> you gained weight, Chris, if you're not uh, eating Jersey pizza down there? Uh, you know, the barbecue is pretty good. I will say that. <laughs> it you is. You can't catch a good Jersey bagel either.
1: There's a lot of things when you go home and I go home and mom wants to
0: cook me dinner and I love her to death. And I said, I'm going to Gennaro's. I'll see you later. Yeah, I definitely have a couple places uh, that I stop by, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner, that, I, that are a necessity to hit when I get home.
1: Jeez, I, I, I
0: might as well just log off this podcast, because
1: this is, this is Jersey Boys uh, 2.0. <laughs> no one can appreciate it, Brentley. Chris will back me up. Give me a diner at 8 in the morning or at midnight, and you'll get anything you want. It's going to be great. It might not be healthy, and you're going to get it in four minutes. Correct, <laughs> Chris?
0: Yeah, people, people always think it's like there's a, there's a stigma against it, but they don't understand. No, they're, they're jealous. It's Envy is all that is. Uh, on a much more
1: serious note, you had the chance to play on the PGA Tour uh, this past week in Puerto Rico because of your victory uh, a few weeks earlier in a college event. How would you describe what that whole experience was like?
0: Uh, It was definitely fun. Um, It was a long week for sure, you know, coming straight from Vegas. But I definitely think that helped because I wasn't really worried about it at all. I was just worried about getting there on time. And other than that, I had friends, family down there. So I kind of just felt like it it was more fun than anything having them uh, following along and yelling and screaming when I was making some birdies. And I gave them them enough to cheer about, but uh, not 20 enough.
1: When did it get real for you in terms of this is more than just playing in a tour event. This is maybe a life-changing weekend ahead.
0: Um, You know, I never really, never really got to like the point where I was too worried about the future, but I sat on 14 tee box on the last round and I looked at the board and I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm T3 right now. This is pretty sick. And, I knew I had a bunch of birdie holes left coming back downwind. um, And I just didn't quite take advantage of them in the last round. And I kind of finished with a bogey, a bad bogey on 17. That kind of not cost me, but it would have been a nice way to finish without that. But all all in all, it was a great week. And, um, you know, it was nice because I felt comfortable up there. And, uh, but also it was really cool to see Brem's story and what he did that week too. It was cool. It was just a cool week. 14th I just heard T-box, Chris. But I, I don't
1: think there, I don't think that was a coincidence.
0: <laughs> What's
1: that? The 14th
0: T-box. Um what was the I don't know I'm, I'm messing the joke here. Uh, well,
1: I I I think Burko
0: knows what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, now I get it. <laughs> now I get it. Yeah, that uh see you're catching on. You're catching on now, Brentley. You get it.
1: Yeah, I know I got it. <laughs> I just think I heard a knock on my door, so the bowl of crow must have just arrived. Let's go back a week ago, end of the podcast. Brentley throws out Chris Goddard of Puerto Rico. Make the cut, miss the cut. And if you've listened to all this, I've argued you're one of the best players in the country the moment you stepped on campus. You haven't let. Me, yes, You haven't let me down, and I decided to fade you for no particular reason other than the fact I thought a quick turnaround from Southern Highlands, you just said it, trying to get to Puerto Rico on time. I just thought it could be a lot. Saying nothing about your game, I think you're going to be out there for 20 years in my estimation. But then I go on Twitter to see you giving me grief, rightfully so. I ate my crow, and I think the most intriguing part of it You and I are texting Sunday after you're done. And why don't you share with those listening this week how you found out
0: about me saying, ah, I don't think he's going to be around for four days. I was listening to it in the hotel, and I think it was like Saturday or something, and uh, it was after I made the cut already, and I was listening to it. And I just, you know, as you said, you've kind of been uh, riding riding my – my stock this year a little bit. So, um, and then I heard that and I was like, man, I thought for sure he was going to say yes. And then, uh, and then I got the no. And I, it was funny. I had to, I had to come at you a little bit, but um, yeah, it was, it was awesome.
1: Well, now knows Jer- what it's Jer- like, yeah, Jersey guys can go after Jersey guys. There's that unwritten respect for one another, uh, but a top 10 finish there. Brentley and, I think it's the beginning for this young man. I really do. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I thought Chris, I, I I thought you were going to win it, you know, for a second. I was actually at Bay Hill. I went back to the tour media official and was asking him if hypothetically, if, if Chris Goddard wins this week, um, can he defer like his tour membership in, until the summer? And, uh, I don't remember if they actually, they never even got back to me on that, but, um, but yeah, it, I mean, as, as, as Berko said, uh, you know, we think you're going to be out there for a long time, but do have to, to, to bring up, uh, you know, some preseason rankings that I made since we finally got you on here. Uh, very, very off. Uh, I will admit, um, had you guys very under ranked, um, but now that we're halfway through the spring, um, you guys are still the number one ranked team in the country. How do you guys keep sustaining and not only that, but how do you keep building to make sure that you finish at number one and not 14 once you get the gray hop?
0: Well, um, I'm glad you've come full circle here and realized what we have thought all along, but um, to answer your question, you know, we, like I said before, we have so much competition on the team and we're always pushing for something, whether it's whether what, no matter what week we're playing. Um, and, frankly, we just want to – we want to beat each other, but we know if we keep working hard as a team, we'll uh, we'll do the right things. And, like like you've kind of seen this year, we've had three guys win events on their own. And, uh, you know, the, the type of firepower that we have each week, anyone can kind of go out and win. That's playing for us. Um, so I think that's kind of a cool part about our team. And we're all happy for each other when we win. Obviously, Vinny's win was awesome last week. We're so happy for him. And, um you know, I think we're I think we're in a good spot, but you know, you can never never get complacent, and uh, I think we'll be in a good spot once once we start pushing towards May and June. Now, your run in Puerto Rico was argu arguably the story of the week
1: uh, for Oklahoma, but I would actually argue that it was a 1A because 1B was, as you mentioned before, Patrick Welch getting things done, getting his not only his first top 10 in over a year but his first 54 hole college victory. You've seen it up close. You've seen the struggles that he's gone through, especially with the putter. What, what, what did it mean to this team? And what did it mean to you to see Patrick have that winning moment in Vegas last week?
0: Um, you know, we were all sitting up there watching and we were, you know, it, we knew it was going to happen at some point just because he's so, he's so good. And we've seen him put the work in and he switched putters over break Um And you could just kind of see things were changing. He shot 60 at our course at school, which no one has done here. And uh, you could just tell that things were were coming for him. And we played Jones Cup, actually. All three of us stayed in the same house. And he didn't have the best week ever. And he texted us that uh, he's going to get it under control. And he did just that in a couple weeks. So we were so happy for him. And uh, to get that tour spot next October is going to be huge for him as well.
1: Now, I'm curious because you guys are obviously enjoying the view from the top right now. How many teams do you see kind of underneath you right now that are maybe in that elite group, um, you know, just kind of a ballpark number uh, or or maybe even some names of some teams that you guys have your eye on? But who do you think is all in that mix um, in terms of the national title conversation?
0: Um, well, I don't think we really – I mean, there's there's obviously a bunch of teams. Probably, you know, you look at the Arizona State, Oklahoma State, Arkansas, is, and, you know, North Carolina or someone like that. But, you know, we're not really paying attention to what they're doing. Obviously, um, we're kind of just focused on us. And we know if we play our best stuff, we're going to be pretty hard to beat. So, obviously, there's good teams out there and you got to respect them. But um, we're not really trying to pay attention to what they're doing week in, week out. Spoken like well, a champ, Burka.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, we're focused on what we can do. It's the Jersey mantra: go out, get the job done. Ah, Jersey! Come on, (laughs) he he doesn't get it, Chris. He just doesn't. I I don't. I don't get it. It's my state. It's it's the Garden State. It's not the Sunshine State. It's the Garden State, Chris. Let 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 them know, please. Yeah, there's
0: just uh there's an unspoken brotherhood about it, you know.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Well, one day we'll, uh, we'll maybe let him into our, our circle of trust, but until then he'll, he'll have to earn it. Uh, Chris, always a pleasure catching up man. it's been great getting to really know you over the past year. Awesome week in Puerto Rico, heck of a season for you and the Sooners keep it rolling in the next couple of months. And I uh, can't wait to see you,
0: uh, you and the squad at Greyhawk. Yes, sir. Will do. Thank you guys for having me. See
1: Chris, you, Chris. Thank you. Fifth year senior at Oklahoma and, and I've been bullish, Brentley, from day one. Certain things I saw that opening week at Merido. He could be the best player in the country. Certainly, if not number one in that elite class, in my estimation. That's how good I believe Chris Goderup is. Amazing to think five years ago, Rutgers and Loyola of Maryland, the only scholarship offers for a kid that's going to be a first-team All-America. That's pretty incredible, huh? I mean, (laughs) it's like... What did these guys not see? But but yeah, I mean, players do get better, right? But Chris Goderup's transformation from the beginning of his college career to now has to be one of the most incredible transformations, at least I've witnessed. I know Roko, you've been around the game a lot longer than I have, but it's just been incredible. And right now, I mean, he he was the top ranked individual in golf stat for a while. I think he's now fifth after his performance last week in Vegas but there's certain players that you just see and they just have something extra, like something special that you really can't measure. And I think Chris Goddard has that. I mean, he has the confidence, the swagger. He, he just, he's the, he's the complete package and Oh yeah, he can hit a golf ball a million miles as well. So as we said, I mean, I, I think we did give him a lot of love uh, in terms of, you know, saying he's going to be out on tour for the next 20 years, but, I mean, heck, if, if you look up and down, um, you know, at, at the players in men's college golf right now, he's certainly at the top of, of the list for players who could actually make that happen. I had lunch with Aaron Oberholzer today after our shift on life from, he was in Puerto Rico and I believe that was his first up close and personal. I said, what do you think? He said, he's going to be out here for a long time. Does it mean that's a guarantee? Does it? Going to mean, you know, that might not happen. But I think a lot of the boxes at this stage of his career, it'll be intriguing to see the transition when he goes. And a lot of that's based on the PGA Tour University, you know, uh, Velocity Global rankings. Here's a guy that started 61st, he's now inside the top 15 at 14. Don't know if he can creep into that top five. But I have a feeling if you give this guy an opportunity to get consistent starts under that PGA tour umbrella, boy, that could be a big jump for him. Well, yeah, he, and he's proven that he performs his best when his back's against the wall. So I think maybe we need to continue uh, maybe undervalue under, undervaluing him or underranking him because I mean, he starts at what outside the top 60, you said, and now he's all the way inside the top 15. I mean, this is a guy who's played with a huge chip on his shoulder almost his whole life. Um, so I, I think, you know, the, the successful ones, the great ones know how to keep that chip there. Uh, even when you have guys and and people like us telling them how good he is. Um, but yeah, the, he's, he's going to be able to kind of find uh, that motivation at in whatever it is, uh, you know, down the road and continue to, to play his best golf because of it. And I know I've got the Jersey love. I accept it. I admit it. I own it. But, and I don't mean it in a bad way. There, represent aren't a ton, you yeah, represent. there aren't a ton of great golfers out of the state of New Jersey that make it to the highest level. Bill Britton was out on tour. Jimmy McGovern won the Houston open 30 years ago, but being really good in Jersey might not mean a darn thing when you go out of the garden state and, and he's, he's shown it. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch Chris got up and uh, we certainly thank him for joining us. Let's sort of maybe transition to some news of players going from Idaho and Oklahoma and lo and behold, they're headed to the same program or at least the same university in Oxford, Mississippi. What's the latest? Well, I, I think Chris Malloy and Corey Hankis uh, should be both celebrating with a nice dinner, you know, a nice nice bottle of wine uh, because both coaches from Ole Miss landed some huge transfers uh, in the past few days. Hugo Townsend, uh, he he starred uh, – I think he made the the quarterfinals or, or the round 16 last year at the USAM at Oakmont. Great player out of Boise State by way of Sweden. Just a big kid. Um has has a lot of chops. Uh, I, I know a lot of people are are bullish on his pro po- prospects. So he's going to be starting there in the fall for his last COVID year. And then as we talked about last year or last week on the podcast, Isabella Fierro from Oklahoma state, she gets in the portal. Uh, she basically is given the option to either stay in the portal and you have to go find somewhere else. Cause you're not going to have access to the practice, practice facil- pr- facilities. Although she, would still have academic access um, as coach Greg Robertson has noted, or the second option is to go back out of the portal and rejoin your team and try to win a national championship. She chose, she she chooses the former only takes a few days. I know she wanted to make this decision quickly because she wants to go home to Mexico. Then she has the ANWA and then she wants to have someplace to practice afterwards. So she finds her way down. Now to Oxford. She's going to be eligible in the fall. She'll have two more years of eligibility. And it's the transfer portal. It strikes again, Berko. I know you're not a huge fan, or maybe not a fan at all. I'm kind of on the fence, maybe leaning toward not being a fan. Um, but this is kind of the transfer portal at its best. And of the couple of schools I heard rumblings about, Old Miss wasn't one of them. So, uh, as you said, a tip of the cap to Corey Hankis for finding maybe a top 20 player in the country when healthy uh, to head to the SEC for two years. So uh, good digging on getting to the bottom of that. Let's flip around to the women's side. What was it three, four weeks ago? Stanford fell. We thought, oh, my goodness, this is going to be maybe the greatest team undefeated in the fall. San Jose State gets them. Last week, we said a record-setting performance by Stanford. They're back, better than ever motivated. Well, what happens again? They come in second. Who beats them? San Jose State. They're a great team. Speaking of Stanford, they are no longer in my consideration of where are they in the best of the best.
2: Want to make mom's day?
1: That's some, I agree. Take, taking nothing away. You could have a slip up and say, okay. And if they ran the table, um, what were they? 12, 13, 14 shots back going into the final round. 14 back. Yep. They took the lead, had a two shot lead. I go for a run. I see Rachel Hex got a par five to finish, blah, blah, blah. I come back. Stanford loses by one, a valiant effort to even get there. Rosang shoots 64, makes par on three par fives. But the Rachel Heck we saw the week before wasn't there. And coming down the stretch, all kudos to San Jose State. We now have to at least consider them as this non-power five legitimate chance to get to match play and make some noise. Yeah, they're, they're the new Kent State. I mean, Kent State made match play a couple years in a row um a few years back. And this this team is every bit capable of that. And, you know, going to your point about Stanford Broco, yeah, they're they're not invincible. Um they, they've gotten off to, I mean, I, I say slow start, um, but they've gotten off to a little bit less fast of a start this spring um than they finished the fall season. Roseang has still been great. I mean, that that 64, I believe, was a course record at the Meadow Club. And you said what? Three pars on par fives. She did. She, uh, including both <laughs> on the back nine and birdies. just insane. And Eighteen. So that's that's just insane. And and you talk about Rachel Heck. I mean, she she had won two straight events before that, and it's just kind of been, been an up and down year for her. I, I I don't see many poor results like this moving forward for her. But the X factor right now, the the, the player who I have circled who needs to improve and arguably needs to improve a lot from now until mid-May is Angelina Yee. I mean, she, I think this is now maybe three events in a row where she has not played well. Um, I don't even think she was actually in the lineup. Yeah. She was uh, just this, an individual this time. She, she was yeah. the last individual on their team. Um, just in terms of being listed on golf set, I don't actually have the results in front of me, so I don't know exactly where she finished, but, she didn't finish well. She's not playing well. She's a player who has first-team All-American potential. Um, I believe she was first-team as a freshman, if not just outside the first team. Um, if, if she doesn't kick it into gear, this is what we could see. I mean, we could see. I mean, if, if in San Jose State is a great team, don't get me wrong, but if Stanford doesn't have Angelina Yee up to you know top potential, they could get beat by several teams i mean we're talking about a wake forest we're talking about um you know maybe south carolina, a south carolina or a usc team that i think is really gaining a lot of momentum amari avery has been a great addition this spring for them that's a team that could enter gray running a million miles an hour i mean they're they're going to be very good i think in mid-may but but still i mean let's not get too carried away i i, I still think stanford's Far and away, the, the, the team to beat, Roseang, probably at this point, has the Annika Award really, really locked up. I know we talked about that a few weeks ago and even on our air during College Central, but she's got that locked up. This is still a really good team. They lose by one to a top-10 team. I, I, I kind of feel like I'm overreacting a little bit, but again, the expectations for really high. Yeah. You, know, you set them high. I set them high. And with very good reason, let's rip through some men's results. event out of abandoned dunes, Oregon. You posed the question, are they back? What do you think? No, <laughs> I, I, okay. I, I mean, I, I hate to be so blunt about it, but there's just so many great teams and to me, a solid team. Um, I know that they have a lot to play for, um, especially with what's been going on with their head coach, Casey Martin. But to me, there's just not an alpha on that team. There, there's not a, a guy who can put the team on his back like an Aaron Wise did, like a Norman Zhang did. Um, there's just there's just none of that. So as a sum of all parts, very solid team. I think they're a top 30 team, which is, I believe, right around the ranking that they had in 2016. Weren't they like in the 20s when they won? Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, so – Again, nice team, not a great team, um, but nice win. And at a great course, Band of Dunes. Yeah, and you threw out uh, rank your abandoned courses. For me, it always has been Pacific Dunes, my all-time favorite there. Yeah, to be honest, I was out there for the 2020 USAM, I only got to play abandoned and Sheep Ranch. So I can't really rank the others. But of the two I played, something about – Bandon Dunes. I mean, Sheep Ranch, the views were great, but just something about Bandon Dunes, I I really gauge golf courses based on how much I remember each hole and I remember every single hole I played. And so maybe that will change once I play the other few. Hope to get out there soon again, but uh, right now it's Bandon Dunes 1, Sheep Ranch 2. Yeah, I've been fortunate. Uh, I've played them all, have not played Sheep Ranch. I, I was inside the bubble at the U.S. Amateur Uh, but we'll be back out there this summer for the boys junior. So I'll be able to add to my litany of abandoned dunes tales. Um, Clemson big win at Pinehurst. Number two, nice performance there. Uh, But now you have to start scratching your head of what's going on with wake forest. Uh, So much talent, Mark power, Michael Brennan, Alex Fitzpatrick. um, But the results aren't showing. I'm not sure what's amiss, and this isn't the time to be uh, retreating in my opinion. Yeah. Tough, tough golf course. I mean, a, a different golf course, I think than what they'll see the rest of the way. Um, but yeah, full strength. So it's not like they were missing somebody. I mean, this is kind of the five that you would expect um, to be there come postseason. And so, yeah, some concern. I, I, I mean, honestly, th- there was a time, doing my preseason rankings, Burko, where I actually had them at, at 14. They moved up a little bit, but, um, yeah, I mean, they're they're going to have to show me a lot more for, for me to really be confident about them uh, as they move into ACC championship and, and uh, beyond. LSU, a winner out West, taking down, among others, Washington and Notre Dame. How badly did the Tigers need to sort of make that statement? Yeah, I mean, Washington and Notre Dame are – our two top 10, top 15 programs. I mean, it's, it's a big win. I mean, the bottom half of the field, probably not that good, but yeah, LSU, a team that has been overlooked and probably for, for good reason, but Garrett Barber's been playing well. Nicholas Arsenet went out and beat RJ Mankey, um, won by a few shots, I believe. Huge win for him. And yeah, Tigers, just another team that could maybe surprise and uh, you know get into that top 15. Perhaps the most intriguing victory from this past week, Florida Gulf Coast University. Donk City. To the Opelika, Alabama area. Wins Auburn's event. They go back to back. And now you start thinking, are they a team that could come from nowhere and maybe make a run at nationals or at least to get to match play? Yeah, and and you forgot Berko, Jason Duffner had to hand them the trophy too. I mean mm. I mean that's just uh that's just saw in the wound for Auburn Tigers. And and I say that as as a wife who who graduated from Auburn. So kind of a inherited uh, Auburn fan, uh, I am. But yeah, Florida Gulf Coast. I mean, I, I think I think Andrew Dana is one of the, the best young coaches in division one golf. Um, this is a a squad that before he took over, they were ranked something like 185th in the country. And it's been a steady improvement last year. They finished on the magic number, um, didn't get in. And now this year they're comfortably in up to 48th in the country. They're going to make regionals. And I'll tell you what, for anyone who draws Florida Gulf coast in a regional, they're probably going to be what, maybe around a 10 seed, something like that. Watch out. I mean, this is Frankie Sappin showed what he's capable of doing. Um, Austin cherichella has been playing well. This is is a really sneaky, good team. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, You mentioned regionals. We're two months away. You got conference championships four or five weeks uh, down the road. So we're getting closer. And as teams gear up for spring break, you threw out to me, what is the ideal spring break golf trip? Well, I can assure you, when I was in college, my spring break trips had nothing to do with golf. It was <laughs> what establishments could I get into to have some fun? What uh, bagel shops I can eat at in New Jersey? That was on yeah, the list. Exactly. But if you're asking me spring break and it was golf centric, Gosh, we were just talking about Bandon dunes. If money wasn't a concern when you're a college kid, um, I don't think you could go wrong uh, at bandon. I think you could go to Hilton head area, fall on a lot of great places in the low country. Those are two that sort of come front and center for me. Well, I, I just pulled up the weather forecast for bandon right now. It's, it's supposed to be raining this weekend. Um, Winds are, you know, around 25 miles per hour this weekend. High of 53. I don't know if that's a place right now that I'd want to go. Although I would argue I'm a golf nut. I would play Bandon in any weather. But I would think this time of year, maybe go to, you know, Scottsdale. Um, Maybe, as you said, maybe Hilton Head, maybe Kiowa, something like that. But, yeah, let's actually, you know what, let's Cabo um that that would be a great great golf trip play some of those courses of course they just have the cabo collegiate down there so you know the weather's nice the weather's always good in cabo um and, and so yeah yeah i'll do that i mean it's right at the end of uh whale season or actually really right at the height of whale season right now so um yeah let's uh go with cabo sign me up you take care of the tab. We're in. Uh, And with that, we wrap up another edition of college golf talk jam packed, moved it along as quickly as we could. Most importantly, our thanks to Chris Goderup for joining us and uh, enjoy your spring break, whether you're playing golf or not enjoy the players championship as well. And we'll do it again right here next week on college golf talk.